Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. Okay, what's up, guys? What's up, everybody? Dead of the summer at this point. Dead of the summer, lots of 90-degree days, feeling it. Yeah, that sucks. That sucks. You say it sucks? I'm a big fan. Uh, Of 90 degrees? Yeah, because I feel like there's something really special and, like, taxing and unique about this time. Not like this, with the air quality being terrible and, like, the the 100% humidity. (laughs) I like the you know I like the heat but not this yeah. much. I mean no, the I, air quality thing's definitely bad. Yeah, that's been no fun. Um, but there's something like kind of aesthetically beautiful about just uh, sloshing around in the heat occasionally, and then walking into that burst of air conditioner when you get home. You know, you see, I end up doing the opposite. I stay in the air conditioning most of the day, and then you go outside and hit this wall of humidity, and you're like, nope, back. That's funny. That is definitely funny. (laughs) And you know what sucks the most? I I just came back from from my trip, right? And over there... Oh, right. You were in Italy. uh, And over there, first of all, I didn't see a cloud for like 18 days. Almost virtually zero humidity. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, aside all the things of being in Italy and stuff like that, but there's like... I came back and there was like a thunderstorm, rain, humidity, this sky that's not really blue. It's this whitish, bluish thing. It's gray, dull. Yeah. I'm like, what yeah. What happened? That's true. It was a lot of rain. And I think <clears throat> I was listening to something recently that was talking about like the amount of rain we got in one day in certain parts of the world surpassed what you know you were supposed to get. In the year, <laughs> like in, in months or something like that. Yeah, it's bad. but um, yeah. The thunder, there was a thunderstorm this morning by us. Like we yeah. woke up, I woke up Same to here. thunder, and Rosie was crying. So I was like, Meh, and then I heard a huge thunder, and then she stopped. Okay, like, that's interesting. You would expect the opposite. Yeah, so maybe, maybe you want to record like, oh, the whole thunders. Maybe, and then you, when she cries, you just turn it on and she shuts up. Maybe I'm a big fan of rain sounds. So, um. Uh, I like the actual rain sound. Yeah. When it truly rains, I don't like yeah. the recorded ones. So. The worst is when it loops. Yeah. And you hear it looping every like 30 seconds. I'm like, this is garbage. We can't, we yeah. can't do this. There's, there's one in my car. He has this, some nature sounds in there yeah. too. And one of them is people walking in the snow. And I'm like, why? What what? Is, uh, you, uh, you cut out again. I hope this oh. doesn't keep happening in the episode. I'm saying... Uh, I can hear people walking in the snow in this recording in the car. And I'm like, Christ, why Christ, would you yeah, I mean, <laughs> Why would you record that? I don't know. I don't know. But I suppose this is an issue of us not loving oh, certain I see things. What you did that. Oh. So coming off of the last episode, we tried to make it love and friendship. We found out that was way too big of a sandwich to do. Um, so for the next two, we are going to be focusing on this thing called love. Yeah, which it is the 
the thing that we were talking about at the beginning, the thing that's in the name of philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also in the name of a, our podcast, truly. Uh, I didn't even think of that. That's that's funny, right? Uh, then we we usually concentrate on the Sophia part of the name of the podcast. Today we're going to be concentrating on the love. Have part. you ever had people, by the way, be like, "Oh, who who's Sophia?" Uh, I think I told you I had like students uh, uh, using ChatGPT to to review our our podcast. Oh yeah, that's and it was terrible. like, and the chat says, "Oh, Sophia, the host." <laughs> no, but I haven't had anybody saying that. That's good. But you know, people are scared of me, so they don't... Some people think it, and they're like, I'm just not going to ask. Yeah. So, okay, we think of this thing, love. The first thing that comes to my mind is whatever love is, it seems to be this really huge thing. Okay. And it typically, maybe all the time, but to stay safe, typically has Mm -hmm. like this super good connotation. There might be exceptions, but it's supposed to be this huge, wonderful thing. Well, what do you mean by huge? Let's start by that. Let's start by by, by narrowing down the huge. <laughs> Good question. When I think of huge, I think of a couple things. I think if you asked a bunch of people, first of all, everyone would have some familiarity with the concept of love. Um, it's not like if that. I was like, what's epistemology? People would be like, what's that? No one wouldn't know on some minor scale kind of the type of thing that everyone would be oh yeah and whatever minimal or maximal knowledge they would have of it i think it's very attention grabbing sure yeah everyone has an interest in this thing it's kind of universal in some sense um maybe everyone's seeking it maybe the people that have had it have lost it and are upset about the fact that they lost it. They know how important of a role it plays in our lives. So I think that's kind of the initial things you would you would get from people. And I'm assuming you're talking not just about romantic love. When when we think about love, are you thinking of romantic love, romantic relationships directly, or are we talking about you know some other kinds of love? Because some you I don't think you can lose. I don't know, filial love, right? Or the love for your kids or anything like that. You, do you lose that? Is something that... That's a good question already. I was thinking of it in a general context, right? And I think all of these general things would have a, a positive for most people most of the time. But when you zoom in, of course, there's going to be a difference in the magnitude of each like subcategory of love. And you've already gotten to a good question that we can discuss later, which is... Can you lose it? What is it like to lose it? Different groups yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so but I'm wondering. It, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it. it's probably noteworthy that I didn't explicitly say romantic love, but that's the first thing you thought of. So maybe yeah. that's the first thing many people would think of. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, romantic love seems to be the one that we think of when the word comes about. It's like the but, OG yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but I'm wondering, so there's a couple of things uh, about what you said that, I'm, that now I'm thinking of. Um, the one is the fact that you said that everyone seeks it, right? Everyone is looking for love, in a sense, right? And I, while I would love to think <laughs> that this is true, mm-hmm. I'm not sure anymore, especially looking at the, 
the newer generations, and I don't want to get in trouble right away, but uh oh, uh, but it seems to me that there is this this I don't it's not a movement uh, this 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 perspective that we kind of need to that I I don't necessarily need to seek any sort of love mm. that actually I'm autarkic I'm self sufficient. And I don't need anybody. And I think it's a result maybe of the modes of communication maybe that there are available right now. Um, there's a general disinterest in romantic relationships. I mean, in Japan, this has been around for a while. Mm. Um, but I think in Western culture, it has starting to be, it starts to be prominent. Which to, I mean, to my generation is unthinkable and I'm assuming to yours as well. But that seems yeah, I mean, to be the case. With my generation, it starts to decrease. And then then you get into the Gen Z stuff. And and more specifically sex, right? Yeah, but um I guess, but I think it's both. It's also the relationship that doesn't I, I no, I th- I think that's right, and there's like so much there, and I'm thinking of uh dating apps, which I'm thank God I missed that. <laughs> right. Thank God I like got in right before that I was got, a thing. I know a couple of people that got married. Really? Through that. And they're actually, hap- well, one is happily married, one couple, the other one not so much. <laughs> like the original ones? Like eHarmony yeah. or the new ones? Like No, the original uh, ones. Okay, okay. But so the thing about like a generational difference and the reorientation of your attention or focus, yep. like you saying that seems to imply correctly, I would say, that whatever romantic love is, it involves the other. Definitely. And if it's the case that there is uh, a shift away from that, you know, like I like how you said it's not a movement, but it's just a thing that's happening. Um, it is because there has been a shift towards the self or, or more like, let's say, a shallow surface level shift towards some aspect of the self, right? Where the, the self kind of is um, take trying to take the place of the other um, unsuccessfully, right? Because that's, <laughs> that's contradictory logically and just practically. And so if it's the case that people are more like concerned with me, like I'm going to do me, self-love, ba-da-ba-da-ba, all these things, <laughs> then th- there you go, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, one of the many dangers of believing that the self is a thing. Uh, so... That's one of those things. That's... Hey, you're slipping too much in there. <laughs> but ma- so let's say maybe whatever um, romantic love is, it would it would involve some kind of magnetism towards the other, maybe right, or some kind of concern. Yeah, it's you know by definition, I think it's a relation, right? Yeah, love being, I mean, it's a verb, right? <laughs> to love, this is true. This is so true. That implies a relationship. Um, I also think that it's, how can we say, it is very, very, well, first of all, it's sad from some perspective, right? Uh, but it's very, very dangerous, this this new way of thinking of it. Because, for a couple of reasons, first of all, and there are like all sorts of sociological slash ethical considerations that we can make about this. You know, people are more alone and people are not connecting. Communities crumbles and so on and so on. Uh, 
Right, depression, suicide, all yeah, these things. All those things are there. But I'm also thinking practically, and this is always, you know, this uh, one of my my uh, my concerns. Uh, I'm always worried when we start using words in the wrong way because I think that what they're describing as love, oh, when they're talking about not a relationship, right? This sense of self sufficiency, this uh, apathy towards, and best case scenario, apathy towards relationships. While they're still using the same words, I think they're conceptually, they're they're misconceptualizing stuff, which leads to not just talking, uh, you know, in the wrong way, but mm-hmm. also thinking in the wrong way. And if you start thinking badly, then it's not just the logical contradictions, but it's just what that leads in your everyday actions, right? Uh, then you start acting uh, in the wrong way. You start thinking of stuff the wrong way. So you start thinking, for example, um, that whenever you are in some sort of relationship with someone else, if that someone else tells you something, right, then someone else is putting a limit on your freedom or is putting a limit. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Those late night texts last night? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Put a, put a, I love how late night for us is nine o'clock at this point. (laughs) (laughs) After kids. Um. But yeah, right? Like it's putting limitations on the stuff that you are doing. And this is wrong. This is bad. Nobody should limit me in what I think, what I want to do. And if you're doing that, you're like, what? Oppressing me, gaslighting me or stuff like that. Yeah. That's another word that gets used uh, sometimes incorrectly, I would say. But I think that, so the first point you make about what this, so this is what Jonathan Haidt, I believe, would call concept creep. I think it was him. Okay. And this is the idea that you have a word that has some very distinct, uh, let's call it signified or referent, some phenomena you're indicating. And over time, the word starts to get used more. It yep. becomes less scarce to refer to things similar to it but not it exactly. And in the beginning, it may not seem like a big deal because you see that that likeness. But over time, what happens is the concept creeps, right? The Venn diagram starts to like reach over too much. And before you know it, you have this word that's supposed to refer to this specific thing yep. that's super meaningful, referring to something that's so different and smaller in scale that it's almost like qualitatively different yeah. in type. And like love is one of these things, right? So you have this word love that, like you said, is a verb. It's a thing you do. It's like a way of being. It's a, it's a standpoint, right? It's an attitude. It's all of these things. Um, it's towards people, maybe. It's towards beauty. It's towards ideas, and we can get into that. But then eventually, it's like... Oh, I love the iPhone. Yeah. I love this ah. brand of Twinkie. Like, it's just like little things. Like, oh my God, I love, yeah. I don't know, insert store. I love Macy's. Yeah. So, centipedes, whatever. I just, if those people <laughs> exist, they I probably don't know. do. You know that, right? They probably do. There's a community for everything, right? Yeah. Um, but can, so, okay. We can look it up. I'm sure we'll find something. 
You could look it up. <laughs> you could look it up, and you bring me your results in verbal yeah, or written communication only. Um, so already it's interesting that whatever it is we're saying about love, we're saying that it's, it's used in all these different ways, some more grand in scale that involve you know, X, Y, and Z, like the other or things we didn't get into yet, like commitment or whatever relations you have to the other. And then it also gets used to refer to these things that are less involved with the other or maybe not at all involved with the other. So it'd be interesting to investigate kind of all the different things love can can refer to and then isolate maybe, you know, which is the quote-unquote real love and, and what happens that makes that shift happen. Yeah, and it's interesting that we are already distinguishing between a real one and a not real one. Yeah. There, there must be, like, which is interesting because this is not, I'm assuming that people will think mainly that love is not something, how can we call it, objective, something that you find in nature, right? And yet, though, we're trying to distinguish the real one from the not-so-real one. And how do we do that if it's not objective, right? Isn't it a feeling? Isn't that like a sentiment, right? How can it be like, if I feel love for myself, how, who are you to tell me that that is not real love, right? Mm-hmm. How does that work? How do we do that? Well, it seems like we have to hone in on some kind of, let's call it, intersubjective basis mm. for this thing. Right? Maybe we say, okay, maybe it's not there in nature, it's a product of consciousness, whatever. That doesn't really matter because we don't experience that world, right? Like we experience the world of consciousness on an intersubjective level. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out, like, what is that thing that we're all talking about that we all seem to understand a little bit, at mm-hmm. least? Um, and whatever that thing is, it seemingly has some basis. Okay. In an orientation towards the other. Okay. So if I want, so first of all, let's clarify two sure. things here. Number one, I agree with you, meaning that this has to be intersubjective, and this is to have uh, the intentional content of love has to be the other, right? But at the same time, I want to say that it is okay to have some sort of love for yourself. Mm. And there is a way, and again, if I wanted to be the devil's advocate, right, I can tell you, well, true, but I can treat myself, we are able to being, you know, from the fact that we are self-conscious, right, that we have, that we are able to see ourselves as objects, right, Mm. as well as another, right, I can think of myself as another. That implies that we are capable of self-love and that self-love has, could have the same intentional content, we can say, hmm. as an intentionality, right? Uh, than love for other people, right? But if that's it's, the case, how is one more real than the other? It seems like the problem here is um, a problem common to a lot of things where you use one word to describe multiple phenomena. And so... One way of conceiving uh, what you just said is that there's love A and love B, right? And you can have love A 
refer to that A content, and you can have love B refer to B content, but you ha- you can't have the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go that route, then you have to find out what makes them common because you are calling them both love, right? Mm-hmm. You're saying they're they're subcategories of one form to use Plato language. Yeah. Um, another way to go is to say, well, we should have different words for these things because okay. they're like totally distinct phenomena. And I mean, what? Because we both we do. That's why it's called self love. Self self what? Love, right? Uh, exactly, though. That's the <laughs> issue. But I mean. So one difference between whatever these things are is this is the the inward versus the outward or something. But maybe let's try to identify something else. If they are in common, like what what is another aspect in general that someone might latch onto of this thing called love if you didn't make any distinction? What do you mean? So one route is to focus on the object of love yeah, or the, the type of the object of love, right? Maybe another route would be to focus on the, the thing I keep calling the, the, the orientation or the attitude towards that object. So let's maybe bracket the object part and okay. start thinking about, well, what is, the, what is the, the standpoint of love in attitude? And then following that, what is the the actions that arise from that attitude. So you're saying what is the the disposition? Yes. What makes the loved object different from the hated object, the feared okay. object, things like okay. that? Okay. Okay. That is an interesting um, perspective to take and a difficult one, frankly, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> How, what is the distinction? What is the, the difference attitude, the different disposition that we have there? What changes? Like, ready? You say, I love, I'm just going to pick something very uncontroversial. You say, I love my wife. Okay. And then uncontroversial? you say. Uncontroversial? I don't know about that, but. Uncon- insert generic male joke. <laughs> um, and then, then you say, I hate Bob. Or even okay. I hate my wife, right? What's the difference between that? Um, so I think that there's something to do with what you were saying at the beginning, that one of the two, the loved one, gives us pleasurable mm. vibes. I don't know how else to say it. Um, to us? Like we feel pleasure towards it? We, the relationship, yeah, gives us, is a pleasant one. Mm. Well, the other one is an unpleasant one. This is like the most generic that we can go, I guess. Uh, with being pleasant or unpleasant. Don't you think that that's the case? Don't you think that is... I think that that is um, definitely the starting point. Yeah. It's always pleasure and pain, right? There's always the starting point. Um, I'm going to play you. Go ahead. I, I feel like if I said this, you would say this. So you would say, but is that true? Is it true that all instances of love are always intrinsically pleasurable? Think, for example, when you have a fight with someone you love. Or, you know, comedians make this joke like, to love someone, you really hate them sometimes. Yeah. So how do we rectify that with what we said? Do we have to modify it a little bit, make it a little more specific or not? No, you're right. And there are also instances where being in love hurts. Oh, yeah. Un- like unrequited love, for example. Exactly. Is that a thing? When you have some draw towards someone... 
and it's not reciprocal. Yeah. So that those things are instances for sure where this doesn't seem to be pleasant. Mm. But the truth is that I believe that those things are unpleasant because those instances are unpleasant because they are disrupting the normal state of love, which is the fact mm. that you like it. The fact that so you like the it. homeostasis of love is pleasure. Correct. Correct. Ah. And then you have, like, again, some disturbances there that end up, like, messing these things up and you get mad, right? You get into a mm. fight or uh, you're hurt because the other person is not seeing that and whatever other, insert any other disturbances there. Um, but aside from being pleasant, is there some specific disposition of the loving subjects that needs to be there in order for love to be there? How do we have to be to be in love or fall in love? You know, and these are also distinctions that probably we need to make. Yeah, there's a, a couple things come to mind. One is a, a word that Aristotle writes about just in a different context, which is choice-worthy. You see something mm -hmm. as being worthy of your choice. Um, similarly, I thought of desire. Okay. You want something in some sense. And the third thing I thought of, which I suppose is uh, related to both of those, is we have this phrase, falling in love. Mm -hmm. right? You fall into it. You're like this little thing, mm -hmm. right? Going into this, um, I don't know, big... Uh, I don't want to say vacuum, but just big pool, right? You're yep. just dissolving into this ocean. So it seems like it's this thing that kind of takes you over. What do we mean by that? Maybe it consumes you. It, it takes all of your attention. It's voluntarily, but also involuntarily. Like it's a, some sort of possession? It seems like it, at some point it involves some kind of possession, right? Uh, at least, At least initially. And this is interesting to me because it, it shows us that there's a, a voluntary and an involuntary aspect to love. And maybe you go through stages where, you know, you start as one and it goes to the other, mm -hmm. or you have more of one than the other. But I think both of those things are involved. So, so just to simplify, to summarize, it seems like love also in, in, includes some desire and or cho choice worthiness that results from a being consumed by something, um, which then in turn eventually results in a you voluntarily desiring something. Mm, so, or wanting this, to maintain, I should say, rather. Okay, so let me, let me ask you something first, and then, then I'll go back to, to something I want to say about what you just said. So are we saying that you are in love? <clears throat> If and only if you're consumed by this thing, one way or another. Because I'm thinking of long relationships. And is it sustainable to be consumed by these things for many years? Definitely <clears throat> not. Yeah, I think that's why I tried to bring up the... There's like a historical aspect where it starts as one thing and then kind of evolves into something maybe more mature maybe more stable something mm. more complex nuanced and but it's still love though 
That's, I mean, that's a good question, right? That's just a question about um, can something change properties and still be the same thing? Is there one underlying property that doesn't change? Um, I mean, yes. And I think the underlying property <laughs> is... If you, if you say no, you're in trouble, you know? Right, yeah. I think the underlying <laughs> property is choice-worthiness of the other, right? Like wanting to maintain a certain relation for the other. The reasons might change. The feelings so, might change, but mm. there's still that like that action and that goal or something. So maybe the, the main characteristic of love is this idea of choosing. It's the choice mm. that you make. Choice or attachment, maybe? Mm. Why? Why would you say more attachment than choice? I don't think it's more attachment <clears throat> than choice, but it seems like the thing you're choosing is a kind of uh, attachment or connection. Like, you're not choosing separation. Oh, I, mean, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you do have situations in movies where they're like, oh, to, I love you, I'll let you go, but <laughs> I, I, I don't... I've seen it in person. Let's not address that now, yeah. Let's just address <laughs> the simple stuff. But I so but I'm thinking, you know, okay, you this choice is and this choice to be attached to somebody is this characteristic of love, right? This main characteristic. Isn't that it kind of removes that completely almost? This other characteristic that seems to be fundamental in love, which is this, the fact that it's a feeling, right? It's something that you feel, mm-hmm. you know, and there's people say, oh, you, you cannot control love, right? This is just what it is. How can you, if you start thinking about stuff, if you start rationalizing, that's not love anymore. There's some people that would say that, right? How do we, yeah. how do we get out of that, right? There <laughs> is... There definitely are some people that say that. I've had arguments about that. People of all ages, right? Older, younger, same age. Yep. And there are a couple routes you can go. I mean, the the quote-unquote boring older person thing to say, which I, I think is ultimately the correct thing, is, is that <clears throat> love, with yeah. the capital L, <laughs> like real love, at some point, it does become about you having to make a conscious effort to maintain something from uh, an at least somewhat rational perspective. I won't say totally because there still is the feeling. Because if you don't, if there's no commitment, that's a word we haven't used yet, then, then you're just like, you're just hedonistic and you're expecting something to give you some feeling and that's the only reason why you're in it. So... To really care, another new word, yeah. about the other, um, you have to commit at some point and, and you have to recognize that, that there's this thing that's bigger than your immediate feelings in the moment. And okay. so love love grows, love matures, right? It's like you have the sprout and the sprout becomes a flower and blah, 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 and all this stuff happens. And it, it seems like it's one of those things that... Um, hmm. It has multiple forms. Hmm, hmm. And, and this is, I think this is why people, uh, a lot of people aren't in relationships. Okay. Because they, they like the beginning. <laughs> and then when it doesn't stay that way, they're like, well, I'm out. This is the wrong person. Sure. Something wrong with them. We're not meant to be. 
keep having this this raspy voice. I don't know why. <clears throat> All of a sudden, but we'll makes you out. sound cool. I sound cool. Okay, it's you a, smoking it's a, again? A, what? <laughs> you smoking again? No, I wish. No. no. <laughs> um. So, um, I'm thinking thinking a couple of things. First of all, I wonder if this growth into another sort of love of which we're talking about, this development, this maturing of love, is not what we think it is. Like the the way you said it, which I think is, as you said, the older, mature person way of looking at this thing. Mm-hmm. I also think is like the way we're able to justify the fact that that thing is not probably there anymore, right? The, mm. the initial thing. Uh, which is cool because it can be replaced by something as strong or anything like that, right? But I'm wondering if, in reality, the reason why we do this isn't a bit different, I want to call it. I think that, and I might be wrong, that within a relationship... When you get into a relationship with another person, especially at the beginning, especially when you have this force, this being in love and stuff like that, and as we said, this brings you pleasure of any sort. On a certain level, we know, or maybe we feel, that we are, I don't know, I don't know a better word to use. I know this word is not perfect, but I, it's the best I have. We are. And some we somewhat exploit the other person for our means. Every relationship is like that. It's inevitable. There's some sort of exploitment going on, or some everybody's trying to exploit the other in a sense. Not in a way that necessarily hurts the other, but you're doing things because that gives you pleasure, right? You just you're just grabbing all you can. And it doesn't have to be just physical or emotional. It can be like even intellectual, right? You in every relationship there is some sort of parasitic aspect to it uh, uh, an exploitation that's going there right you're sucking the blood out of somebody else um, intellect or again whatever we're going to call it and because of that when this thing goes away if you truly respected that person that you were with if you truly care for that person then you kind of feel that it is almost your Kantian duty Hmm. To keep on being there for that person because you've taken so much from that person. Then now you're like, you know what? Yeah, that feeling is not there anymore. But I've taken so much from this person that I need to stay here. It is my obligation to be there somewhat. And the obligation takes many forms, right? There's some purely, again, moral, intellectual, whatever you want. Uh, obligation and some can be material obligations, right? Physical obligations, like having a child with that person, right? Uh, or uh, you know, building a life which consists of friends and families and having a house together. Those things count too, and I think that those are the material, you know, the material obligations that you have. But they don't have to be there. They could be like just simply moral and intellectual obligations that are there as well. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to diminish the other one. I'm just saying that probably the motivation is not as, it's not love anymore. It's not as noble, mm. right? It's just like literally some sort of obligation. I know it's probably sounds bleak and 
uh, I don't know. But it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I agree with most of what you said. I, I, so there's the first part, and then there's like kind of the motivation behind yeah. it, which was the, the last part. And the first part is definitely true. I mean, I, I think that people who think that there's this thing as absolute selflessness in love just either haven't thought about it hard enough or lying to themselves. Uh, And I think of two very different people on this point. Um, (laughs) One more aesthetic, one more on the intellectual side. So on the aesthetic side, I think of... uh, So Bjork has this song, uh, probably too late for you, Okay. Uh, called Virus on the album Biophilia. Uh, yeah, too late for me. So Biophilia was after Volta. Okay. Which was after like Vespertine and Medulla. So it was yeah. many years later. But I, I, I actually really like that one. And I think that was her last good one, I will say. Okay. Uh, and it's this beautiful song and it has like one of those, uh, what are they called? Like a... Not like a steel drum, but like a something pan. It's like this ball of metal, and it sounds almost like a music box. Okay. Anyway, the whole song, she uses this like metaphorical language about like latching onto a host and taking and this like beautiful attraction. And she has all these lines like. This is pre COVID. <laughs> definitely pre COVID. <laughs> um, she, well, she has this line, something like, my, my beautiful adversary. So mm-hmm. I, I think of that, right? And there's the, the kind of parasitic aspect. And the other person I think of is Ayn Rand, who actually writes a lot about ro- romantic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't latch on to that, uh, either because they're kind of like, they stop at the, how would you say, like the, the surface level caricature, okay. or they focus on the, the ethics from like yeah. a very yeah. bare bones perspective. Yeah. But she actually also writes a lot about art okay. and, uh, and relationships. And I'm she not familiar uh, with that part of her. I'm not familiar with a lot of her work, honestly. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's less familiar. But um, she has this thing about how, like, what's this line? Like, love is the egoism of two souls, right? Because there has to be a self-focusing aspect of both parties involved. And so I think at the end of the day, the we're basically just doing Aristotle once more, right? Because <laughs> whatever this love relationship is, it cannot be totally selfless yeah because that's a human can't do that and if they do then there's some kind of stockholm syndrome or something something bad happening and it also something's wrong right and it also cannot be totally selfish yeah because you're not doing love You're, you're doing i don't know some other thing that's not good for you so there has to be this reciprocal give and take both between the self and the other, um, between both selves and others. And I think, I, th- I think all that's right. Now, the second thing you said, the duty, I actually yeah. like that word because it reminds me of uh, the word responsibility. And yeah, I think definitely. love, to, to speak like Spider-Man incorrectly, with great love comes great responsibility. Yeah. Um, and I do think you do have an obligation because you have affected this person's life so much and quote-unquote taken so much. The only thing, I may pick a little thing that I, I 
would change a bit is that uh, I thought that sounded a bit too guilty. Like you're doing it because you feel guilty, like you're indebted or something and you feel bad. And while I do think there is an obligation that arises from something like that, but less bad connotation, I also think there's an obligation that arises from you want the person to have good things. Again, not on the totally selfless level um, and not on the totally guilty level, conversely, but but there has to be not just a I'm paying back a debt, but like I want this person to flourish oh, you know, yeah. no, absolutely. past this debt kind of thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. No, I agree with that. Uh, I think it's both of them, though. There is the – some well, and it depends on the relationship, right? I think that sometimes there is the guilty part. It's there. It's oh, – oh, let me rephrase this. Oh, what we're calling this obligation by guilt, it's mm-hmm. present. I don't, I, don't li- I don't like this this word. Guilt or obligation? Yeah, it, it's uh, guilt. I like obligation, but guilt guilt makes it sound to me like something negative, like, like not not only negative but like not love. Because if no. you're doing like if a kid does something because they feel guilty, they don't really mean it, you know. No, I know what you're saying. Um, let me. Let me Dead, indebtedness to I don't know. I don't know. So there is a level oh, where you do this thing because you truly you truly feel like, as you said, you have affected this person's life so much that you need to give back. Let's put it this way. I think a level of that is there. Agreed. But there's also the level which this person has affected your life so much that you, in a positive way, if if the relationship is successful, mm-hmm. so that you want them to flourish, as you're saying. But this is still has to do with this affecting each other's life. And because of that, because you want them to flourish, because you want them to be successful, because you want, you know, you want the best for those people, because of what they have given you, and because of the way you've seen these people grow and change throughout the years and so on and so on, you end up staying in love, we say, or staying, period, right? Uh, because of this responsibility that you feel, because of this obligation that you feel. Again, I don't know. I do not have a better word. I know what you're saying. It's in my sound. Yeah, it's tough. I agree because I was actually going to say, but we should put a positive spin on it. We should be like Sisyphus, right? Rolling <laughs> that ball up that hill and then it comes in. But that even sounds negative, I guess. Yeah. The best thing we could say is like there is this responsibility and you should embrace it and find meaning and and beauty in it. Which means um, that sometimes things don't go the way you want because you know, yeah, then yeah. it's not it's not all bubbly as it is in the first in the first periods of love, right? It's in the first Absolutely, absolutely. That's the point. Like you have to get over that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well, but then again, there's if we talk about if you talk to so this is the the uh, this is the way things are, and sometimes I think there's a fault to those things too, right? There are people that stay with other people beyond what they should. Yes, like in a in abusive relationships, exactly, for example. Right? So the, the, that is possible to to have that, and I think that because of that, I. I think that because of this relationships, this abusive relationships where people have stayed longer than what they should have, or 
simply where things don't work anymore and just people stay together because of habit. And this has happened for the for a long history, right? For there's in the history of the Western world at least, it's been I mean, I want to be conservative, at least like five hundred years that we do that, right? Um because of that, right now I think we are witnessing uh the counterpunch of those, right? Absolutely. So now we are in the position where I, yes, we are together, but I have zero obligation towards you and you have zero obligation towards me. So I just leave when I want and everything is fine, right? Yeah. Yeah, I care for you, but I... Not that much. (laughs) I'm always chasing the next high, right? It's Kierkegaard's the doctor, right? It's Kierkegaard Casanova or whatever. It's uh, yeah, it's the the diary of his what's his name, Johannes Klavmakis. Is yeah, that is that right? Exactly, exactly. The either, the either part. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like you know the the that I'm gonna follow um, the hedonistic state, as you say. The the he, he calls it the aesthetic, right? Yes, interesting choice, but yes, the the aesthetic um, stage of life, and people just want to stay with that because undoubtedly that feels good right mm-hmm. but is that really meaningful is that really the way this should be and we go back to our original question is, is that real love right when you're moving from one lover to the other just chasing the high and the moment you're supposed to put in the responsibility then you just escape or run away. Yeah, I think everything you said is right. I was actually thinking of the the pendulum before you even said it. Yeah. Um, and that's there's so many of the things we critique. Right? It's just that. It's like yep. you have a pro- you have a thing, and then a problem arises historically, and then you have a counter movement that goes yep. too far, and they want to. This is also your language. Flip the board, right? Completely, just bah, get the shit out of here. Yep. Instead of making the modifications and being like oh no no maybe that was good you just have to like change a little bit the path and the orientation and so uh in the context of relationships it's like okay maybe people weren't self-focused enough maybe there was a little bit too much servitude and blind commitment and things of that nature and so now there's a I don't watch, I don't know what show it is, but it's like one of those shows with like, not the office, but like office related people. I don't know. I, 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 you would know better than me where there's this whole scene. Like, is it a comedy? Yeah. Like, uh, I wouldn't know. (laughs) Then you wouldn't know. But what's the name? Aziz Ansari. I have no idea. I think he's like the, the Indian guy. There's this whole thing like treat yourself. They just go to the mall and just buy things. Like you need a day to treat. And so I feel like people, are so pent up and repressed, right? In this kind of like Freudian sense that we're in this just extreme treat yourself phase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the the solution is not that because that's, you will see, uh, fleeting and unfulfilling and going to cause a host of all the problems, but just finding a way to tweak uh, what was already there. And it does involve commitment of some sort. Of course you have parameters. You're always going to have parameters for everything. You don't want to think in absolutes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but something like that, right? 
It's easier to flip the board, right? It's easier to get rid of everything and start from scratch. It's easier because it's easier to think about. It, that's right? the, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, the problem is it's not easier because then when you do that, then sooner rather than later you run into a host of issues that you didn't think about and you are mm-hmm. back to square one. Then you need to flip the board again and again and again. Um, and you just are left kind of with um, trying to build on a void every time. Yeah. Instead yeah. of using the wisdom and uh, the the mistakes that other people have made already, then you are just starting yes. from scratch every time. Now, this is true for for relationships. There are certain there are certain things that are irredeemable, right? There are certain things that you cannot like. I don't know. Agreed. Agreed. Let's use like a, an obvious one: slavery. Right? There is no tweaking slavery. That needs to go. No out tweaking. Away, right? That's right. That's right. Yes. No <laughs> just, just in case, right? Uh, we yep. are. There are certain things that need to be thrown away, but it doesn't mean that everything works that way. But I, I want to push back a little bit, you know, playing devil's advocate, uh, maybe, uh, on the idea that chasing the new high when it comes to love relationship is unfulfilling. Sure. Why is that unfulfilling? Why do you think that's unfulfilling? Why is that bad? Because, well, look, again, we said it, it's pleasant. It is... Uh, obviously uh, gives you new stimuli every time, right? In theory, if it's true, if what we're seeing is true about the parasitic relationships and uh, the kind of exploiting the other, well, definitely that brings you new content every time, right? Mm -hmm. New life every time. So why shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we all seek that, right? Mm -hmm. Are we just two old men that are afraid of, and maybe that's what it is, right? We're afraid to be alone at the end because yeah. you're not going to be as a quick of a parasite anymore. You're not going to be able to latch on into everybody. So it's like, you know We'd what? be unsuccessful gigolos. Exactly. So you, <laughs> 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 that, that could be a good movie, uh, unsuccessful gigolos. Um, that's good, writing it down. And, um, you know, that is why you, you, you settle eventually, right? Yeah, I mean, the first answer uh, to why is it bad, in short, because you wind up with nothing at the end of the day. <laughs> that I mean, that's the simplest way of saying it. It's like so you are scared of staying alone. Then is that there, there's nothing left there, right? Oh, so what? So what's bad about having nothing? That's the mm-hmm. question. No, 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 no. The question is like, what? What you just answer, right? The issue is like you stay with nothing, but. The answer from the other side would be like, you see, you're scared of staying or, or remaining with nothing. This is why you're doing that. Oh, it's not oh. really. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that answer presupposes that the only motivation for wanting something is fear, fear of fear, right? And I, I that's that's way too strong. There's other reasons for wanting stuff that don't have to be motivated by fear, which is something like being motivated by love, for example. <laughs> Um, or the idea that, you you know, if you want to live the good life, the quote unquote good life, right? The capital G, this thing we're supposedly seeking. Yeah. Um, you have to build something. True. You, you, you want to find something meaningful. And, uh, I always refer like many times in class and on this podcast to Cephalus in the Republic, 
Like, what is old age life? Well, old age is good if you can look back on your life and see all these things you've done. So it's really like, if you go that route, if you really believe that, then you could try it. And I think you're going to come up short and be like, wow, that sucked. I shouldn't have done that. I have a lot of regrets now. And I think when people push back in the way that you hypothetically did, like, well, you're just scared. This is, I think it's, I would push back and say, well, well, you're afraid of not committing. You're afraid that you can't build something. And so you only latch on to things that require no skill, right? And that go in and out um, on a kind of like, how would you say, in a way of serial perception. I'm thinking of uh, Byung Shuhan because it's easier, right? I'm yeah. thinking of Socrates. You, you don't want to do um, the easy thing. You want to do the virtuous thing. Yeah. I could yeah. escape, but no, I'm going to die for my principle. So I, that to me seems almost like a, and I'm assuming you'll agree, but like a, like a bad faith pushback. Like, why not be be nihilist, right? These people that like think they're nihilists. But you know they're there, right? The, the, they, no, of course there. they you are. Know these people say these things. This is why I, I'm I'm playing this this this. I know here. you do. Well, I guess um. So it gets to a point where when you have conversations with people, once you get to the point where I mean, there's two possibilities, right? So I don't want to um, paint with what's the phrase I always mess up. Paint with broad too broad of strokes. Um. I suppose it's possible that some people could be making this argument not from a bad faith perspective because they really think it. And I think he if I were to assume there, right? I, they are there. And I think if they were to say this, my my assumption would be that these are uh, younger people um, or people who have been successful thus far mm-hmm. and haven't had that that uh, that smack in the face. OK, Um. Or just people who are, you know, making a good faith argument that I would think is the wrong argument. In my experience, I do think there there is, is a lot of bad faith arguments, and and I think when that happens, you know, this, you get into a, a debate with this kind of person. There's there comes a point where you just can't yeah. do anything, right? Because no matter what you say, it's like it's like the, it's subjective. Yeah, no, well, but, 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 but it's subjective. Yeah, but, but, think, but, 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 but it's subjective. It's just always going to happen. I'm thinking Wittgenstein when he talks about, you know, there, he has this, in, in uncertainty, he has this part where he says, well, if you're discussing to a person that says that he's living on the moon, uh, that he has lived on the moon for, for the past five years, then at a certain point, you just need to just step away pretty much. There's nothing else you can do. You know, when you tried all the reasonable stuff, then that's it. So you're just living in two completely life forms, right? There's yeah, it's like Aristotle says, you know, like when you get asked to defend the law of identity, at a certain point, you're like, dude, it, I it don't... just is that. Yeah. Uh, but I I think, though, that there are, especially for the love thing, I believe that there are more people than we think that they're making this argument on, uh, you know, not in bad faith, actually in good faith. And I think that, as you said, the issue is that unless you're there for when these people are very old and alone, uh, assuming that that's the case, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then you know that this is not. Uh, you, you you don't know if they're right or wrong, right? I'm thinking like there's there, there's some examples. Uh, 
like I, I know I don't know if you heard that the the former prime minister of Italy Berlusconi died not that long ago. I did not. Do you, do you know anything about him? Zero no. things. I'm 100% American. Okay. Uh, <laughs> then not a good example. Let's use Bill Clinton as an example, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. As an example of somebody who in another life might be might have been a, a libertine, we can call him, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, if he wasn't the president, most likely he would have. He doesn't seem. He didn't seem very committed to Hillary. Let's put it this no, way. No, Salo or the 120 days of Clinton. Exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, let's assume that there is somebody that is powerful enough that is able to be successful at keep on moving, and until his or her last breath. They are in company of somebody. Would that still, would you still consider that love life unsuccessful? Good. That's a good question. Um, so when you were talking, I was thinking of a, a couple things. So the first thing was the, how do you argue with the people that, that push back? And I thought of an analogy. And, and maybe when you hear the analogy, there's kind of an intuitive like, oh, I get yeah. why that's not great. And the yeah. analogy I thought of was uh, drug addicts. So imagine you were talking to someone who is a drug addict, like a committed, I am going to be a drug addict, right? I like doing this. And they just abuse heroin and pills and like everything else. Huh. And you're like, man, that's not good for you. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's fine. I am still alive. I can get what I need. Who cares that I'm not building something? I get the the pleasure hits. I don't care that I'm starting from scratch because I can keep doing this thing. It's actually uh, better because it's actually on. better, right? And I think when you when you look at argue by analogy, hopefully intuitively you you see something, but maybe not. So the other things you said, uh, like the the Clinton example, the first thing I thought of, which is super extreme, is um, American Psycho. Right, and the whole point of you American are, Psycho, you are correct. Right, the whole point of American Psycho is I'm trying to have this like almost transcendent uh, hedonistic experience through total sociopathy. I guess is one way of putting it. And that is exactly what scares the hell out of me about this newer generation. That we are in a generation of absolute of American psychos. They're like American psycho, more like American hero. Yeah, right. But so yeah, there's the there's the sex, there's the violence, there's the combination of the two, and and, and at the end of American Psycho, the movie, because I actually never read the book and I've always wanted to. I hear it's much more hardcore. Yeah, um, it is. But there's a very empty, cold scene where you know he does all this crazy shit throughout the whole movie. At the end, he just is like. I've done all this stuff and I didn't feel it. It was all for nothing. And then the movie ends, right? And so I think that in that's book, kind of what were you going to say? That in the book is actually even worse because in the book is like Oh yeah. It ends like you obviously understand that he's going to keep on doing this forever. Oh, yeah. So it's the chasing the dragon, right? Yep. To go back yep. to the drug thing. 
So, but then that connects to the Bill Clinton thing because it's like, what if you have someone that's super rich and successful? Uh, what I thought you were going to say was, sure, maybe they don't have um, a meaningful love relationship, but can they have a, a meaningful life otherwise? I thought that's what you were going to say, but you didn't go there. Right? You said, can't that relationship be one of love if they have all this other stuff? And I think my thinking that you were going to go the other way shows that my answer is no, but maybe you could have something like a, a good-ish life, I suppose, if you have these other things. I, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I think there's some critiques to be made there, but... I, would, I wouldn't want to do that either, but I'm saying, I'm wondering if it is possible for some people to argue that if that's the case, right, which are some extreme, if you want situations not everybody is able of living that kind of life but in those situations it is feasible to to think that this person might have have a successful love life i don't know i mean do you do you love your hooker right like that's kind of the question if you're like rich true and there's a transaction yeah but again I don't know. Some people will say, "Well, that's not it, though. It's not. It's not a hooker. It's uh, this person is with me at times and exclusively with me uh, for for l- not necessarily a day or two. It could be even yeah. some years. Like there must be a difference there, right? Yeah, and especially when it's mutual. And that's a that's a big younger thing. Not quite friends with benefits, but this idea that like I have someone that I text in certain moments, and then we both agree to meet up and do this thing. But like we're not every day. Yeah committed and and i mean and it doesn't have to be just sexual right it's like it's the yeah, whole for company thing. yeah it's the whole thing uh, so that's that's why i'm saying i don't know yeah, this is tough and i mean i'm wondering if one of the things we could do in the next episode is figure out some more necessary-ish conditions for love and also make the distinctions between different types of love because we we did focus on ro- romantic love yeah um the most here now before we go maybe just to, to recap we said most likely, unless we use the same word in multiple contexts, there is some orientation towards the other yeah. that maybe involves, it can't be totally selfish. It has yeah. to be a little selfish, a little selfless. Um, and there's different motivations. Like one of the things I was thinking, real quick, I want to ask, how long have you and your wife been together? Not married, but together. Too long. No. Uh, uh, so 14, 15, about 20, probably 20, 70, 20 plus. 20, 20 plus? Yeah. Yeah. So me and Claire, we've known each other for a, like, let's say almost 16 years, which is crazy for us. Not, not because like that's a big deal in itself, but because that's half of my life. So we always say we're getting to the point where more of my life will have happened with you than without you, which is a very interesting thing from yeah. like a phenomenological or philosophy of mind Absolutely. perspective. Um, but one of the things we always talk about is like there's the concern for me, there's the concern for you, and then there's the concern for us. Like we don't only look at you as an individual, we look at like what's best for the relationship, right? Absolutely. For the thing as a whole, and that eventually becomes the Uh-oh. family. And yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, 
Like it takes on a life of its own. Absolutely. And it becomes an entity, yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But. So well, two things that I want to say before we, we close. Like, sure. Number, number one, uh, I think that our effort to actually find what real love was uh, fell, I mean, didn't fell short because I think we have established certain things, right? Um, but I think that there is there's a level um, there always going to be that kind of the, the the issue of what is re- real love is because of the at least partially subjective subjected nature nature of it. There's not something you can point out and be like this is right because then you have people saying no, this is not. My dog was like licking her paw to death. You just said the Caesar Milan thing. Yeah, it just the did. <laughs> Um, so I think that that is that is one of the difficulties that we have, one of the issues that we have uh, when we talk about this kind of stuff that, uh, that originate in this space, which is the intersubjective, or that by definition as the inter part, but also the subjective part. Uh, but that does not mean, and I cannot stress that enough, that the answer is not there. The fact that we are unable to to explicitly grasp it, it doesn't mean that the uh, the answer is not there. And the second thing that I want to say is something that has nothing to do with our conversation, but has to do with the structure of this episodes on love and the episode that will be between those, mm-hmm. right? Because we didn't mention this. So oh, this yes, that you're right. listening to is episode 99, right? And naturally, if you know how we do things, the next episode on love will be episode 100, if but, you count, that's right, that's right. But uh, we kind of celebrated 50, and now we're going to celebrate 100 as well. So the love episodes will be episode 99 and episode 101. Well, episode 100 will be... Uh, audience Q&A. Uh, we'll be talking, answering some questions that we have received. Um, and then we might be something special. We might be doing something special as well. Up an extra uh, special. Uh, and that's going to have a uh, different structure, we can say. It will be accessible not to everybody, uh, but it will be accessible only to the true fans. Uh-oh. No true Scotsman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? Um, only to um, to people that are willing to support us uh, a little bit more than than... Well, most of you do. We can say on the on the Patreon specifically, exactly. And it is going to be we're we're thinking of we we're, we're going to have we have said right uh, an episode where we behind the paywall where we just discuss some disagreements that we might have philosophical and not. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit more of a probably animated. Oh yeah, and personal. Episode. Like, what really do these guys disagree yeah. with each other on, and where do they go? Exactly. And how do they do that? Which is always interesting. Well, that said, I have, that's all I have for this. Yeah, so that sounds good. And just to leave on a, a cliffhanger, I'm wondering, as I just thought, hmm. despite all this talk of old man boringness yeah. and commitment and duty and responsibility, I do want to say that there is slash has to be something 
that you still get excited about within your older relationship even if it's just looking at that person's face when you see them in a crowd when you see them when something happens i think there has to be something but i'll the leave little, it the little fire under the coal needs to be there there's that this magic okay okay we'll talk about that more maybe we'll see all right see you guys see you